Hi, this is Savannah Saunders from The Wonderful World of Dance. And today I am super excited to introduce today's special guest, Isaac Hernandez, principal dancer with San Francisco Ballet, one of the world's leading ballet companies, which we all love. I've had the privilege of seeing Isaac dance in London with the English National Ballet, and I'm looking forward to catching up on his life in San Fran as he prepares to perform in Christopher Wilden's Dazzling Cinderella for the first time with the company, having performed the role of Prince with the English National Ballet back before the pandemic, which feels like a long time ago. Hi, Isaac. Thank you so much for joining me today from San Fran. Hi, it's my pleasure to be here. Um, I really love getting a chance to catch up. And also, I like the fact that you caught some of our performances in London. And yes, before the pandemic feels like forever. It does. So it's around about four o'clock your time in San Fran. Tell me, what has your day been like so far? Describe your day. Okay, so it's been a bit weird today because um, I got a back spasm yesterday during the rehearsal. It usually happens whenever I start rehearsing Cinderella. It's got a lot of complicated uh, partnering lifts sort of over the neck, over the back. So I expected that. Um, so this morning I got in, I dropped off my son uh, at the nursery. I got in a bit early. Um, I saw our physio. He cracked it back into place. Uh, I went into class. By the time I arrived to the center, it had fallen back out of place. Um, so I did about an hour and a half of rehearsal in Cinderella. I ran to the chiropractor that uh, works with us in the company. And then I went back into the ballet to continue with the kitchen scene of Cinderella. Then I had a rehearsal of Ben and the Prince Confused Dance, the one that I do with my brother, actually, this time around, which feels really nice. And then uh, I've just gone out for lunch at the moment, and I have to be back around 5.30 for another rehearsal of the ballroom scene. And then we go on until 7.30 this, this evening today. Well, that's quite a full day for you. My goodness. So. I, yes, today is special. I actually think that it is a very unique sort of model of working for the San Francisco Ballet where you go on. We just finished performing Blake Works, for example. Uh, and while we were performing Blake Works, we were kind of getting ready to be able to rehearse Cinderella property. But we are on a stage already on Friday doing a run through. So we need we need to use the time as much as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And we're all looking forward to Christopher Wilden's Cinderella, which I've 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 seen obviously in London, which was just amazing. But before we talk about Cinderella, let's have a chat about your your career. So going sort of right back to the beginning. Um, you grew up in Mexico and you actually learned to dance from your dad, I understand. Tell me about what it was like growing up in Guadalajara as a young boy training to be a ballet dancer. Well, it was a really interesting thing for me because I didn't know anything about the ballet world. I didn't know that there were competitions, that were companies that uh, you could have a professional career in the way that I had. 
um, all I knew about ballet was what my dad was telling me. And he had a very different experience in dance uh, for starters. His family didn't support him uh, becoming a dancer. They wanted him to be an architect. It was the family sort of trade. Um, my grandpa actually built one of the theaters in, uh, in Monterrey. And that's when my dad uh, had his first approach um, to the dance world. So um, he started dancing when, when my grandpa passed away, unfortunately. And that was when my dad was 17, which is very late. Um, but by the time I was eight, my dad had 11 children with my mom. Uh, we were all homeschooled. He had set up a bar in the backyard. And uh, we used to lay these two thin uh, plywood layers. And we used to rehearse there. And funny enough, we used to use the, the windows as mirrors. And, uh, and I remember that daily routine of moving the clothes that was hanging out to dry and setting up the, the, the wood on the floor and putting the tape in the middle. And I always complained to my dad that the floor was slightly raked uh, for, for the water to, to be able to run. And he kept telling me about a place uh, called the Paris Opera. <laughs> where the stage was raked and hopefully yeah. one day I would dance. But I had no idea what that meant or what that looked like or anything. We had no YouTube, we had no dance videos or nothing. The, more, the most I had was a, a red book that my father had kept from when he started the schools in Mexico. And I could see some pictures of his former students there that eventually put together some money for my dad to redo a part of the house into a ballet studio so that we could move into center. But up until that point, I was doing three hour long bars um, every day. Um, sometimes it would rain and we would just use the, like a plastic cover on top or sometimes we just would step into the, to the living room and train there for the day. So when we fast forward to the pandemic, it was quite familiar to me to be able to Interesting. To go back to training, to training at home. But that was the beginning of, of my dancing. And I really like the fact that I was spending yes. so much time with my dad and that we shared this, this sort of profession. And I was listening to his experiences that he's had. He trained at the uh, Hartness Ballet. Uh, he was one of the first generation at uh, Dancing of Harlem, first generation at Houston Ballet as well. So it was really exciting when he would dig out his programs and I would see his name there. Um, and then uh, when I was 11 or so, I started doing competitions. I went to the Youth America Grand Prix in New York and I got, um, I got a good glimpse into the dance world. And, and I saw that I was doing well, that uh, for my age, I was quite advanced. Uh, I got a lot of interest from from the schools around the world. And uh, my parents all of a sudden realized that I, that most likely I was never going to live with them again. So they wanted to find a school that would make me feel at home, that would make it closer for them. Uh, so we picked the Rock School for Dance Education. And I remember Larissa Sevliev, the, the founder of the YAGP, uh, taking me in to, and she opened the door of this dressing room where all the judges were were talking and she said to me something like they are 
all fighting to take you to their schools. Uh, so the next decision is really important. I hardly spoke any English, my parents as well. And, and while all of that was happening, uh, Boan and Stephanie Spassett came along and they said, look, we are not the Royal Ballet School, we are not the Paris Opera, but uh, we are a serious school. Uh, it's important for us to look after also the, the human side of things and we'll bring you teachers from different parts of the world and whatever you're interested, uh, we'll, we'll provide it for you. And we decided to, to take the chance and everybody said, including Larissa, that I was making a big mistake. Um, because obviously the logical thing would be to go to the Royal Ballet or yeah. to the Paris Opera, where I had been offered a, a place in the school. Um, but it turned out amazing because Boan and Stephanie became like my parents, basically, and I was spending the weekends with them, and they were taking me to the movies. And uh, some of the one of the reasons why I love food so much is because they would take me out to eat, and they would basically educate me in etiquette in what to get what to order uh, and to you know treat me to this really amazing restaurant so i really found an amazing place there and i spent four years there and i got my first job offer after jackson after completing in jackson idc i got the gold medal and i got an offer to join miami city ballet as a soloist at 16 or to join oh. abq studio company making the decision of going to the rock school and how yeah. yeah um it was it was the best thing for me at the time because i found uh a family-like atmosphere while at the same time a very supportive um couple of directors that became like my parents basically and they were bringing teachers and dancers active dancers to coach me and train me for competitions i did the moscow ibc when i was there i went to cuba um, and i was winning all these competitions for the first time ever um, as a mexican dancer so that was really exciting for me and and for them as well it was funny we would sit at the beginning of the year and we would talk about the things that we would like to do and uh, jackson was definitely a big one for me I always wanted, because I heard that that was like the Olympics of ballet, that it happened once every four years. And I had that that goal in mind uh, before coming to The Rock. So I made sure that they knew that I wanted to do it. Um, and I remember for that, they invited Joaquin De Luz to coach me in Don Quixote. And, uh, and I had an amazing teacher from England. Uh, his name was Bill Glassman that came to train me as well. Um, and I got to work uh, with Amar, for example, uh, from the New York City Ballet, that then later on in life as professionals, we become friends. And Joaquin is a good friend of mine for a long time. Um, so they really provided me with, with a lot of uh, opportunities to learn. And oftentimes, I remember preparing for these competitions, I would have two or three different teachers in the studio, basically just coaching me and and making sure that i was getting as much um knowledge as possible so in that sense that was the best thing i could have ever done and then uh, after jackson i got my first job offered uh, up until then i had spent every summer at apt studio company uh when i was uh maybe 11 or 12 before going to the yagp i went in to new york to do one of these 
Dance Educators of America competition at the Hyatt Hotel uh, in New York. Uh, and I really didn't know what to expect. Um, we, I had done a competition in Costa Rica. I got invited to go there. I went with my dad. And there I met uh, Raymond Lukens, that his partner and husband, Franco De Vita, was running JKO. And, and Raymond saw me and he kind of wondered what I was doing there and what I was doing with my life. And uh, Raymond had trained as well at Harkness Ballet. So he said, come to ABT, take a class. And I started doing uh, an open classes, like adult classes that they were having in the studio. And I had a really wonderful teacher. I, I believe her name was Diana. And she was quite old at the time, but she really fell in love with me then uh, when I was taking class and she was trying to be really helpful. And she said, listen, come downstairs with me. I'm going to take you to the office because you need to take this seriously and come to the summer school. And that's how I started going for the next seven years um, to ABT's uh, summer program in New York. Um, so they had invited me to join the studio company and I had gone that that year when I was 16 to do Jackson. I won the gold medal and Edward Virela came over to me and he said, uh, I would like for you to come as a soloist dancer to the company. Uh, come and visit Miami. And I got to stay actually with Edward and his wife uh, in Miami and they showed me an amazing time. And uh, he said, you know, this the place, et cetera, et cetera. And I really loved it to the point where I almost said yes. Uh, and somewhere in my mind, I thought this is too soon. This is too much, too soon. And I had another friend um, from from Jackson as well that he had gotten the job offer and he had accepted it. And I just found that it would it could go out of control for me in a sense, in more of a personal sense that Miami is such a great city. I was young. I would have money. I would have <laughs> some sort of recognition. Um, I was the youngest member in the company I was to be. So I was re always really careful in those situations because I was always taught by my parents um, how easy it is to really make a bad choice mm -hmm. and for that to really change the path of your career. So with that in mind, I decided to join ABT Studio Company. Um, and I, I also at the time had a girlfriend that had joined the studio yeah. company. Um, and that just made, made sense. Uh, I started working for Wes Chapman. And Wes Chapman really was fundamental for me at the time because he brought in really interesting repertoire. He, he brought... Allegro Brillante uh, by Balanchine and Judith Fugate came to set it, which funny enough, many years later, uh, she set Coppelia here. And that was my first full length ballet that, that I did with San Francisco Ballet. Um, so it was really nice because I also had a very nice partners. I was dancing with Isadora. I was dancing with Seyun Park that then later moved to the Paris Opera. And I remember at the end of my year with them, uh, Kevin spoke to me about how he really wanted me in the company. Um, they didn't have room uh, to join straight after that year. He wanted me to wait six months more. And I don't know if Wes might 
ever hear this or be happy about <laughs> it if he does. But I remember he sat me down in his office one day and he said, listen, I heard that you want to go. Uh, it's my job to keep you here, obviously, because I want you to be an asset for this company and I think you'd be great. But you said, as your teacher and sort of friend that we become, I, I think you should go. Um, and that was really brave of him to say so plainly because I, up until that point, I was still not sure. Yeah. But I always found that that it's the most that that you are the most lucky when you can find somebody that can see beyond and and see what is best for the dancer and the person. Um, and he just said to me, uh, "Look at the kind of." the amount of years that it takes someone mm. at ABT to get an opportunity. If you are okay with that, stay. If you like to have more responsibility, if it is as, as I perceive it, that you are ambitious and that you want to get out there and have opportunities, then this is not the right place. And it was what Kevin basically had, had said to me. So I flew to uh, Texas to see Ben Stevenson. He was running the Texas Ballet Theater there. And I had heard great things about him and about the work that he had done with Carlos. Uh, he invited me to visit the company and I had a wonderful time. Everybody was really friendly. Uh, I had a Brazilian friend there uh, that was dancing in the company and he was a great dancer. So after that, I flew to San Francisco and they had invited me to take some class. I stayed right next door to the ballet. Uh, actually, I'm like right here right now. Um, and I remember taking class on a stage and loving the company and just seeing so many good dancers. I mean, at that time, it was um, Gennady was in the company. Joan was in the company. Uh, Taras had joined that year. Pascal was in the company, Pierre-Francois, Damien Smith. It was just a wonderful group. Um, Jaime Castilla was in the company. It was a really wonderful group of male dancers that mm. were having a good day that day in class. And they were really having, having a go at it. Um, and I remember Helgi watching on the side of the stage and just approached me at the end of class and said, I, I would like to offer you a, a corps de ballet contract. Uh, and I accepted immediately. Uh, oh. I hadn't spoken to anyone about it. Uh, I still had, you know, the Texas Ballet Theater in mind, the Miami City Ballet, maybe it's a good time to go there now. Um, but I just accepted it because I was kind of inspired by what I had seen on the stage and, and I could see myself here. Uh, I loved the theater. I loved uh, the company. And uh, I joined that year. I was 18. And I remember my first season with the company was a really shock to the system. I was having uh, non-stop rehearsals because all of a sudden I was in every ballet. And a lot of the company had already done some of those ballets that were Helgi's ballet, like Prism. Uh, Christopher Wildon's Golden Hour was that season mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Ranmansky was setting Russian seasons here as well. And he had picked me to dance with uh, Kochikova on the opening night. Um, then all of a sudden, Gennady had gotten injured. Um, actually, one of my favorite dancers in the company as well. Um, 
he was just he's a ballet master in Joffrey. Uh, I'm getting upset that I can't remember his name. His It'll name come right back now. to you. Um, but he's French, and also he stepped in for Gennady to do Chaipa, and um, and he also got injured. So basically, they said, you know, could you step in? to do the opening night with Tina LeBlanc. It was her last opening night with us. Uh, I was 18 and I said, obviously, yes. Um, so immediately I got so many, so many opportunities and and I found my place, my, my professional place. And I was young, they pay well. There is a, a really interesting way that the season works. So six months of the year, you basically just rehearse, you have the weekend. So if I was living in a beautiful home, um, with a couple of friends, uh, I was playing golf, I was playing tennis, um, and I was dancing and I was dancing well. Uh, I had gotten an injury and I had a little bit of a hard time coming back from it, but I was back at it. Um, I felt quite accomplished with what I had done. Helgi had uh, a good a good plan for me. And when he promoted me as a soloist, he made it clear to me that I had the potential to become a principal and I was all happy until one day I realized that I was so interested in my life outside the studio that I was afraid that I was not committing myself uh, fully to becoming the best dancer I could possibly come. And I also realized that most of my colleagues and good friends at the time had already had careers outside of the San Francisco Ballet. Uh, Gennady was coming from Le Jeune Ballet de France and her experience in Russia. Joanne, the same. Uh, Taras was coming from the National Ballet of Cuba. Uh, everybody was coming with experience and exposure to other styles and, and, and other ways of working. And I was always curious about what it would be like to dance in Europe and what kind of dancer I could become by being exposed to that, I had already said uh, no to the opportunity of joining the Paris Opera Ballet School. Then the Royal Ballet offered me a scholarship when I was 15 and I literally didn't get on the plane. I had my visa, I had everything set up. Um, mm -hmm. I got coffee and and didn't go. So finally I thought I, I must do it now. Um, I was turning 22 at the time and I went in one day uh, around this time of the year is when you decide if you keep your contract if if it's offered by the company or if you or, or if you leave and i remember having that conversation with helgi and him seeing me quite scared about it <laughs> and he said to me um go outside take a walk come back and tell me if that's really what you want to do. And I just said to him, like, no, this is this is this is it. This is something that I want to do. I didn't have a job after th that decision. Like, I didn't know where I wanted to go. I knew that I needed to go. And I remember that I left a little uh, card for him on his desk, uh, where I said, you know, that I knew that I was not done learning here in San Francisco, and and that I was. Um, kind of leaving this place for the same reason that I had left Mexico, just that need for knowledge and the drive to really live a fulfilled professional career, but that I hope that one day I could come back to this company that that was my home, that felt like my home. Uh, 
and that was it. Uh, a couple of my friends got very upset with me leaving. <laughs> Uh, everybody thought that I was making a huge mistake, including my parents. I remember my parents didn't speak to me for a couple of months after that oh, really? decision. Uh, <laughs> well, because since I had left uh, Mexico at 13 to go to Philadelphia, they were always involved in my discussions of decision making or which competition or what timing or what to turn down or not. They always had an opinion. But the more time would pass, the less I would consider their opinion because I realized that they were not in my situation. They were not aware of how I was feeling at the time. They were not aware of uh, yeah, the artistic capacity that I was developing at the time or, or even the environment that I was living uh, on a daily basis. So I kind of said to them, you know, this is this is my choice this is a choice i have to make and they said you know you're making a huge mistake it's a wonderful company they pay you well they just promoted you a year before um but it, it really had to be done and now that i that i see what what happened uh, after that decision i realized that one of the things that i remember talking to helgi about and i remember feeling was that i needed more responsibility and especially uh, a type of responsibility that would prevent me from taking up other priorities in my life yeah. <laughs> at the time. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to feel like my job was the most important thing to do. Um, and oftentimes what I was getting to do at that time in the company was relatively easy. And in a mind that is young and is ambitious and in a well-trained body, that felt like a waste of time and or I don't need to look after that so much because I can do that easily. So I wanted to feel challenged and, and I had done Coppelia uh, as a full-length ballet that year here. And I I really loved the storytelling part of it. And I thought, well, if I want to be able to do more full-length ballets, I need to go somewhere that first that has less amount of principal dancers so that I can get more opportunities and more performances because for example I did one show of Coppelia because two of the principal dancers had gone injured so that was the only way really to to get a go at these full-length stories and also because most of the principal dancers at that time were at the peak of their careers. They were in the early 30s and they were perfectly trained. And, and you know, so I understood that. And I uh, I had heard, oh, well, I went back to ABT uh, to talk to Kevin um, about coming back to the company. And he, I, I really have a special place for Kevin in my career because he saw me grow up. He called me to the office a couple of times during the summer program to tell me that I was not, the example that he hoped I was being in the studio <laughs> <laughs> because I wouldn't wear uniform or things like that, you know, teenage stuff. I'm a rebel. Uh, but he was very clear to me always. And when I went back to to him to tell him that I wanted to come back to the company, I was now a soloist. Uh, he said to me, you know, a lot of your colleagues that were in the studio company with you um, are in still in the Corps de Ballet. Uh, and they are, you know, going through the process and it would be quite disrespectful to put you on top of them after, you know, they, they've been here for the last four years. They've been doing 
all the the heavy lifting for the for the corps de ballet etc etc and i completely understood that he said if you would like to come and join the company uh i can offer you a contract with the company but you'll be placed in line basically um and i appreciated that he was so clear that he was quite open about the conversation and he said you know there's a teacher in amsterdam that he was a great coach here uh, and he said you know at the moment we don't have the time to make people into principal dancers and that's why it takes so long he said but if you go to this guy he was marcelo gomez coach he coached david halberg and his name is guillaume grafan and funny enough i had heard about him uh, from a dancer from the dutch national ballet that was uh, dancing with us here in san francisco um, we were in a relationship and it made perfect sense. I said, you know, I'm going back to Amsterdam. Uh, I went, I took a class with Guillaume. I met Ted, uh, we hit it off. And then there I found another, uh, another person that really marked my, a difference, made a difference in my, in my professional life because he said to me something that I hope and I wish that more teachers would be able to genuinely say that he said this is not about me this is not about the company this is not about being a star this is about making the best possible version of whichever ballet we are trying to make at the time and he said so i'm gonna give you a lot of information but i'm not giving it to you pretending for you to do it i want you to have as much information as possible so that when you are on a stage you can make decisions based on some knowledge, but at the same time for you to be able to develop your artistic input and artistic instinct. Because he said that is the job description of a principal dancer is to make artistic choices all the time differently for every performance, you know, and I really felt like that has been the best job description for a teacher or a rehearsal director I've ever heard because he said, I want you to one day say, thank you, Guillaume, but I think I'd rather do this because of blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, and make choices and go on a stage and make them. And I'll tell you if they read well, if they work or if they don't. And sometimes more, uh, more often than not, uh, he would come the next day and we would just sit and talk in the rehearsal and he would say, I like how you did that. That didn't work. That was great. This one, I liked it, but if I had been sitting a bit farther back, I wouldn't have gotten it. And we really had that relationship, um, that was really helpful for me. And I had a wonderful, uh, partner there, Yurikita Dronina that I had met in Jackson before. Uh, so it was just the right place. And obviously I had arrived to Dutch National Ballet saying to Ted, Ted, I want to be a principal dancer and make sure that you don't forget that I'm here to become a principal dancer. And I spent the first year doing so many full-length ballets. All of a sudden I had done Don Quixote and Sleeping Beauty and Romeo and Juliet. And I had done Mercutio and Romeo and et cetera, et cetera. And I was feeling a bit uh, like it was about time. Mm. And uh, and I'm really thankful of how Ted managed that situation because by the time he promoted me, I was genuinely a principal dancer. Mm. 
yeah. I was not a dancer that could eventually. No, I was a principal dancer because I had been able to do from Donkey Show to Sleeping Beauty to Mercury Show to Romeo to. So when I got appointed uh, after Sleeping Beauty, I knew that I could do with the job description yeah. <laughs> and what was required of that position. And and I feel like before that, I didn't understand it. And now I feel quite lucky to have done it fairly quickly, but to have been put through those experiences and, and, and that process uh, to genuinely become a principal dancer and not to arrive to the position um, without knowing or still unsure if I'm going to be able to manage or not. So you're, you've achieved this incredible milestone. Um, quite, you know, you were very young um, when you were promoted to principal with the Dutch. Having this incredible experience in Amsterdam, working with Ted, who's incredible, what then inspired your next move over to the English National Ballet in 2015? I don't think I'm allowed to say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that right. story. Some type of version. <laughs> it was quite. It was quite funny because I've always been quite clear about my my intentions uh, about my career. I early on I realized that I was being the first Mexican to achieve these milestones. No, So it happened in the competition scene and then it had happened in the professional field. And I felt quite proud about it because I was being able to use that platform to create opportunities in Mexico. And we can go a little bit in, into that because yeah. Helgi was actually quite important into that into that thing because I started producing shows in Mexico when I was here in San Francisco and he really uh, enabled that possibility because he identified himself in 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 that desire to bring uh, stuff and content to your home country and to promote the arts and to provide the opportunity for other children to become professionals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So when I was in Amsterdam, I had just bought an apartment uh, in the most trendy neighborhood in Amsterdam. And I was really loving life. I was feeling quite settled. Um, I had been invited to dance with the Marinsky that season. That last season, I went to do Don Quixote with them. Um, I had a really great partner, rela partnering relationship with Jurgita, and of friends, a really wonderful teacher. Um, and suddenly I am on tour in China with Dutch National Ballet and I get an email from Tamara that I had just seen at my brother's uh, graduation from the Royal Ballet School. We ran into each other um, at the Opera House and I had done a gala when I was 14 with Carlos, Tamara, Jose Manuel Carreño, Julie Kent, Giuseppe Picone, Simona Noja and Ramon Thielen from Dancer wow. of Harlem. And they had invited me to do Don Quixote variation because I had just won the Youth America Grand Prix and they wanted to promote this uh, young Mexican dancer. Uh, so we had met there briefly. Uh, and then she said, you know, what are you up to? Uh, I hear you're in Amsterdam, that you're doing really well. Would you come and do Swan Lake 
uh, with us uh, for the Coliseum. And uh, so I got that email when I was in on tour. I spoke to Ted about it and he said, yes, of course you can go. Um, I went, I danced uh, with Irina Takahashi. And that year it was Alvan Lendorf, it was me, it was Ociel. Um, Alejandro Virelles was there. It was a wonderful year. Uh, Ivan Vasiliev had come to guest with us in Swan Lake as well. Um, so it felt like a really amazing atmosphere. And I started to take classes with Loipa. And at the end of my two-week thing that I did with them, I thanked them both. And I said, uh, if you ever need me to come back as a guest, please consider me. And they said, well, actually, we would like to offer you a contract. And and I said to them, thank you so much, but I have other plans. <laughs> I'm uh, uh, I'm planning to audition for the Paris Opera on the 4th of July uh, to join as a corps de ballet. So to start again my career, once having been a principal dancer, I had uh, worked with Benjamin Millipied uh, when I was a kid in the rock school, when he, he came to choreograph a piece for a competition I did in Moscow. And uh, I had reached out to him at some point. We were in touch and he said, listen, I'm really trying to change things in Paris. It would be great if you would come and audition. Um, it's the only way into the company, but you know, hopefully little by little things can start to change and blah, blah. And I said immediately, I was like, I'll be there on the 4th of July, come in. I wow. love a good challenge and I love a good story as well. And I thought, why not start again? I was young enough to to go through right. the whole process, and I I said this story to to Tamara and to and to Loipa, and they both kind of looked at me with huge skepticism, <laughs> and they said, and 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 what happens if if Ben goes from Paris? Uh, like what sort of guarantee? And I said, no, I'm I'm there to to like do the whole process. And I would love to be able to do the competition every year and to get promoted. And Tamara said, and in the meantime, how are you going to grow artistically? Or are you not thinking that these years that it might take, uh, you might miss the chance of uh, growing artistically by doing this type of repertoire? She spoke to me a little bit about her plans and Akram Khan's Giselle, how she was commissioning that and how she was working to build this new building. And uh, the more she would tell me about her plans, um, I said, you know, uh, this is it. I'm not, uh, I'm not changing my mind. I'm going to Paris. And she said, okay, come on tour with us for three months to Colombia, China, and Singapore and Barcelona. And, and I agreed. I asked Ted to release me early from my contract, which I appreciate that he did, but I understand that it was not the nicest thing for me to do <laughs> um but he 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 was really wonderful ted uh to me so he understood that i i wanted to do that and um i went on tour and i didn't realize that it was to dance with tamara and i got to to london and all of a sudden i looked at the schedule and we are paired for swan lake for coppelia and for corsair and I was so intimidated. And I remember <laughs> I walked into the studio and I said, you have to be patient with me because in my head, that didn't make sense. <laughs> you know, I was like, there's no way that here I am after having seen her 
with Royal and all these wonderful videos and performances that she had done with Carlos and my experience with her, yeah, having seen them dance in Mexico. And I said, it just doesn't make sense for me. I'm looking that way and my ordeal is Tamara. <laughs> Uh, so it was it was a it was a wonderful time uh, there working together and uh, with Loipa was amazing. I really found the consistency that I was lacking and also the amount of shows that we did during that tour really allowed me to to grow, like seriously grow. And I remember that after one show in Guangzhou Opera House in China. Uh, we were sitting on the little slit, a sled that flies away in the EMB version. And I looked at Tamara and I said, you know what? I think today I graduated finally as a principal dancer because I had finally felt that indescribable feeling of creating something unique that had nothing to do with technique or with that it was just all round an artistic accomplishment. And obviously we were in incredible shape technically and she was dancing incredibly and I was dancing very well, but it had gone beyond that to the point where I thought this is this is it. This is what it feels like to live one of these evenings that I, I dreamt of when I was a kid, whenever I got a chance to go to the Met and see um, Carreño performance or uh, to see David perform that sort of feeling that what you had witnessed was unique and, and that experience kind of remains with you. That I felt for the first time there. Um, and I spoke to her and Loipa the next day and I said, I, I, want to, I want to stick around for as long as I feel like this and I feel motivated and excited about what you guys are doing. Uh, I remember telling them, if this works out, this is going to be one of the best companies in the world and everybody's going to be fighting to <laughs> to be here. So I want to be there from, from now. Um, and so I spoke to Ben. Uh, he was obviously quite understanding. At the time, he, had, he was making the decision to go from Paris. So at the end, he worked out and he said, okay, come and guest then Dubai are there with us in Paris. Uh, and he invited me and... My coach for that experience was uh, Aurélie Dupont. Uh, so after he had left, Aurélie took over the company and then she called me and asked me to do Don Quixote with uh, Alice Revenant. So my Paris experience had a wonderful uh, ending to the story because I remember going there to the school and the director saying to to my aunt that had taken me just make sure that he knows that when he walks out of this office that's it for paris there is no other way into the company there's no other way that's it he's yeah. not gonna dance in paris opera um and then i was there i got that experience i got amazing support from the company i have a lot of friends there um and everybody was really welcoming and I feel like the whole atmosphere of that run changed and I got beautiful messages from um, from the dancers saying, you know, it's amazing that, that you can come and in five days prepare a production that we've been working for for two months and it's Nureyev's Don Quixote, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so at the end, it turned out wonderfully and I was not completely happy with what I had done with Bayader. So I was really glad I got the chance to go back to do Don Quixote and, and those Don Quixote performances did feel 
unique and special and i loved working with alice and uh she left me a really nice note at the end and so i felt like i had done that as well i got i got the chance to be there i got that the chance to to do those incredible productions to perform in those stages uh then i got to tour with emb at pala garnier and uh blake works was being created while we were there so i got to see that uh be created and and now i i've gone to perform it at uh, at emb and and most importantly i felt like from that decision uh that i had been part of something that goes beyond my time as a dancer and that's what i loved about tamara that that she really was able to include every single person into that vision because emb was not trying to go back to being or reliving their golden age or whatever yeah they were trying to build the future that hadn't been built before for that company and i found that a lot of organizations i'm gonna say it straight up like the royal ballet like the paris opera they're always thinking about being what they've already been um or playing a role into the development of the art form in the same precise way as they've always been because that is why we're here and i understand some of that every day less and less but what i really appreciated was the sense of purpose that we all had at emb and joe kelly came and jeff came and gabriele came and we all knew all every dancer in that company we all knew that we were there to build the future of that company and that that generation that was there from the cordevalet to the props person to the costumiers we were all being part of that and i i love that i love that energy and that sense of purpose and commitment to to a vision and then we were doing great work we were um really performing well and we were getting interesting commissions and we were in a sense leading this change that has been so remarked uh we did the female choreographer program that then echoed around the world we commissioned akram that that was funny because tamara said i want this giselle to be the roles that people want to grow up to perform and then oftentimes i get so many kids that are studying that they their dream role is no longer albrecht in the classical giselle is albrecht in akram's giselle or is giselle in akram's giselle and that that feels unique uh and and that's why i know that every decision that i've made has upset some people in my personal support circle let's say like that um or that has been daring or unconventional or maybe perceived as ambitious or reckless <laughs> in a sense but uh i guess my main motivation has been to be able to use my time as a dancer in the most productive way possible while at the same time fulfilling my personal ambition but also fulfilling uh accomplishments that go beyond my time on a stage um yeah well i mean we can't really talk about your time at enb and your move to san fran without talking about a bit of a love story 
Now, audiences <laughs> love a good love story, and especially one amongst mm. dancers. Um, so, and of course, you are married to and have a son with um, mm -hmm. Tamara. Tell me, um, tell me about sort of the move um, that you both, as a family, you know, you decided to make from ENB um, over to San Fran. Because obviously well, it was an interesting, <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting thing because when when we were both still at a, at EMB, I had my brother here in the company, and we had spent one of our holidays here in San Francisco. We had gone to Mexico. We stopped by San Francisco, and uh, and we watched the the gala that that year, and and it was the first time that we kind of thought to each other that maybe it could be something that uh, that would be interesting for for both of us there is uh it's a unique situation that we are in um so there are not uh not not many places around the world where i could still be a dancer and she could be a director um we had we have a really particular place for EMB and for the team that runs EMB and for the dancers. But she had always said to me that she always thought that it would be that publicly funded organizations need to be run by multiple people. And that she felt like what she had accomplished at EMB uh, was reaching the peak. Um, and that you know, it's always been of her interest to learn. She's an, an incredible researcher and she has always been attracted to the American model of, uh, of managing organizations. And, um, and so there was that up in the air uh, from that time that we came and then the position uh, became available. Uh, and we talked about the future really amongst us and what what do we want for our family? What do we expect? Yeah. I feel like several things happened in the UK in the last few years where we thought that uh, maybe the quality of life would not be what we would want for Mateo. Uh, we were driving an hour and a half each way to get to work. Um, we were basically never spending any time with Matteo. By the time we would be home, he would be sleeping. And then uh, he was just spending the whole time with a nanny or, or at, the, at the nursery. So things like that really made us consider making a move. And like I said to you before in our conversation, this company had a special feeling to me as a sort of family place where I felt at home. Uh, Tamara knew of this. The position had been open. They reached out to her to apply, and we said, uh, let, "Let's give it a go." I, I gave Helgi a call. I spoke to him about the possibility of coming back, and uh, and it was it was quite amazing to to have that conversation with him because he was quite keen to have me back and excited of the possibility. And then when everything turned out the way it did, and now I'm here every day and I'm working with so many colleagues that um, that I started my professional career with, it just makes so much sense, you know, and it, it feels wonderful to be able to be on a stage with my brother and and to continue in an environment where that sense of purpose 
is everywhere with this change of uh, of directors i feel like the dancers are excited the technical team is excited the audience are excited our our patrons are excited our board members are excited uh not only for the work that we're doing on a stage but also for for tamara um and i i feel like these last few months i've been talking to my colleagues and friends longtime friends and i'm so glad they're getting the chance of working for someone like Tamara and, and for having that feeling that I was describing earlier, a sense of purpose and that we can reshape an organization with the work that we put on on, on a stage. And, and obviously is an incredibly difficult task for everyone all around and change is always very challenging. Um, but I get that sense that I got when I first arrived to UMB, that things are happening here, people are excited, the company is immensely talented. Uh, they are they pull off a season that I believe no other company could, maybe New York City Ballet, because they are really, really properly tough dancers there. But they are they are amazing artists here and yeah, incredible, incredibly diverse. Um, they have a solid school. Um, so it feels like a good place for, um, spending my, my next phase, uh, as a professional dancer. And it might be that it is my last professional company before I, before I retire. And, uh, sometimes I, I have little fights with my sister that manages my career outside the ballet world. And she said, you know, but how are you going to retire in the States and not in Europe? You know, for her, in her mind, uh, I should be retiring in a European company, in an opera house. And and I tried to explain to her how that is often the case when it comes to San Francisco Ballet, how people are not aware of what an amazing organization this is and what an amazing history it has and what an amazing venue and theater we have and and the potential to really exploit that and and to be able to give these next years of my career to this vision and this change um, and to create new work that could potentially reshape this organization is exciting and i cannot find a better way to to spend my years dancing and and sometimes i sit and i wonder if i had made a different decision if i had worked for somebody else if i had and it makes just no sense to spend too much time on it i i really don't think i would work for anybody else anywhere in the world i feel like um like how that generation felt at emb that we would sit down and we would know all of us that we had lived the best years of our career and that we had had an amazing experience and that we were doing something important with our dancing and and i feel like that has no price to me and yes. and obviously i've had great directors like i said uh helgi was so important even kevin was so important wes chapman ted um my teachers have been amazing uh 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 and fundamental but at the at the end of the day the sense of purpose that i found working for tamara as a as an artist the curiosity to 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 improve to make our art form more accessible to to become a different dancer on a stage than 
than it, than it is expected to to perform in a more artistic theatrical way in a more inter to work on the sort of vocabulary and interpretation of classical ballet and all those questions and all that growth have come from working with her and and the great thing is that every single person that has worked at EMB during her time has the same drive for knowledge and curiosity and change and and I feel like that can really in the future reshape our art form and keep it alive and relevant because that is the core of of her vision and I feel like it makes perfect sense for for the moment. Absolutely, exciting times for San Francisco Ballet. Mm -hmm. Exciting times for you, um, for Tamara, for for you as a family as well in your new life back in San Fran. As you say, dancing with your with your brother and back at your at a, a company that's truly deep in your heart. But you're only thirty two, and you mentioned yes. maybe you know <laughs> you're talking about this potentially could be mm -hmm. your last company home, which is you know, quite devastating to think about really in some ways, but you've got quite a, you mentioned your your sister uh, manages your outside um, career yeah. and you've done some acting and you, you're doing lots of work back in, in Mexico, as you mentioned earlier, in terms of the projects to bring dance into Mexico and inspire a gen the next generations of dancers and, and dance lovers. So what is what are you thinking about for the, the next stages of your career? Are there still roles that you want to dance, you know, while you're still um, on, on stage and, and working with Tamara and with the company? Are there other things that you are looking to do? You're so young. What does, you know, you've got yeah. years, decades <laughs> left. What do you think? Well, it's a it's a wonderful place to be where where you can look back at your career and feel accomplished not satisfied because i find that a very dangerous thought in a brain <laughs> uh but i do feel quite accomplished in in my career and i lived amazing dreams of being in paris and at the marinsky and at the bolshoi and i have amazing memories and i'm not uh giving them up all of the sudden just by moving to san francisco i have a really close relationship with the opera di roma with Avagnato. She's a wonderful director and uh, and also a very smart mind. Um, so I'm always, whenever I get the chance, I am, I'm happy to go on dancing in Rome and, and, and work for her. I have a really nice friendship with Natalia Sipova and Jason Kittelberg, her husband. And we started a project. Uh, we created a new Carmen for Edinburgh. And then we performed it in London, and I really worked. I, I really loved uh, working with her as well. So there are there are other things that will continue to happen. Um, I think as a pro uh, in Europe, particularly as a producer, I am as crazy, wild, and ambitious <laughs> as I am with with my career and with my expectations. And I've built a project in Mexico for the last 10 years together with my sister and my brother that has genuinely and effectively changed people's perception of dance in a country of over 120 million people. Um, and we've managed to effectively change children's lives particularly a whole, a whole lot of them. And um, I managed to 
first bring English National Ballet School to audition in Mexico for free. We had about 500 students auditioning. Uh, they gave out 15 scholarships to go. Uh, then the following year, Patrick Armand came uh, to audition for San Francisco Ballet. Some of these kids have graduated from the from the school here. They are working professionally. Uh, another set of them that he didn't manage to bring at the time because they were too young. They are now currently in the school. Uh, they performed with us during Nutcracker. Um, and this last edition that we did uh, right after the pandemic, I finally managed to get the Royal Ballet School to come to Mexico and audition for free. And my whole point with that project was that the performance was a way for us to open up the art form to an audience that would normally don't see ballet. Uh, so I went out of the opera house, I went to a venue, a 10,000 seat venue that is usually used for concerts. And I wanted them to live that experience as if they were going to a concert. So we worked really hard in partnering with amazing brands. And uh, I have a, I have been a global ambassador of Mont Blanc for six years now. And, and the reason why I continue to work so closely with them is because they really fell in love with these projects in Mexico as well and and trying to build this change through the arts and possibilities and bridges. And that has been hugely satisfying. And finally, the Royal Ballet School came uh, with the auditions in Monterrey. And up until now, it had only been my brother Esteban that had gone to the school and effectively gra graduated as a Mexican. And now this year they have five or six, six Mexican students all of a sudden. So I love to think about that because I understand that the future of dance in Mexico is not longer mine, it's mm -hmm. theirs. It belongs to them, it is up to them for this to continue to grow. My goal was for them not to be on the same place that I was, where I was having to chase politicians. I have a big family, so we could cover all the exits, but <laughs> but still, uh, to try to make them understand that uh, that it was important for, for Mexico to have representation in this art form, that you could change people's lives through it, that there is a huge potential in social mobility through the arts and through the creative industry. So. We've been very keen on working about that, and um, and that excites me. I I wish I I have I wish I had more time to really dive into that. And I've been kind of of multiple, very flexible use, um, because I sometimes I advise some government officials on some policies when it comes to. Uh, uh, fiscal benefits for the arts or how to reactivate certain sectors or how to provide uh, vital help for children and students to really make use of these opportunities like the ones that we've been creating. Uh, we also have a huge festival um, of workshops that are all around the creative sectors. So this year, I haven't officially announced it, but it's happening in in, uh, in the summer that I, I partner with a British school. They have a production park uh, studios, and then they have a school that is called Backstage School. And they are basically the most effective and professional school for production, stage production, set design, lighting design, all of that. Uh, um, and I invited them to come to Mexico to 
uh, train uh, some people and to eventually and potentially open their school in Mexico because I find always that Mexico has so many opportunities uh, but we need the tools and we need people to yeah. be prepared to be able to take them up we are having the World Cup coming up between Mexico, US and Canada we need a lot of crew we need a lot of technicians well-trained technicians we have a free trade agreement between the US, Mexico and Canada so the potential of bringing new productions film Netflix just opened a huge um, site in Mexico even Tesla is coming to Mexico so the potential for this development uh, is there and and my job at the moment uh, when I'm not on a stage is basically to provide as much uh consolidation for those for those ideas and for those projects so that this generation that is now graduating pursuing a professional career can find a platform to from where to build so i would love to to be able to do that once i'm not on a stage as much uh but i've also been very curious and fortunate to try acting for example i got uh to work with carlos saura and vittorio storaro that are i think two of the greatest legends uh in the in the cinema industry um and uh, and then a friend of mine was doing a series on netflix and he said look i have this character that could potentially be a dancer and it's in the 50s in madrid and it would be great if you agreed to do it and i obviously said yes as i always do whenever mm -hmm. i find something interesting and and I got a chance to try it and I found that I really liked it. I loved being on set. I wish it would take less time uh, to make movies. And actually, just now I've been given an amazing script with an Oscar winning actress wow. um, as as her as his co-star. So I'm working on that at the moment, um, trying to work out how and when I could potentially do that but but it is something that i would like to to do if the projects are interesting and this one that just got to me is really interesting it's an amazing director she's an amazing actress it allows me to bring in a little bit of dance into into this uh industry and i want to do it properly i want the dance to be well done and the environment that is portrayed to be as as legitimate as possible and and it's a huge challenge. It's an amazingly difficult role to play, um, and I'm just happy uh, to be able to to try. So, who knows? Uh, I can't decide for sure yet, and it's kind of creating some anxiety in my mind. The fact that I don't have a clear path as to what I want or where I want to go once I'm no longer on the stage, but I have all these projects that. I'm very passionate about that I've dedicated a lot of time to and that I have enough tools at my disposal to be able to to work on them once I'm no longer on the stage. Well, that sounds like an incredible future, but you're not leaving the stage just yet, thankfully. So mm -hmm. and there is a stuff that I would like to to do and 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 that is exciting to me on a stage and and uh hopefully i'll 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 get to i'll get to do some of those roles and but also the 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 potential to be part of new creations and for them to become what giselle has become for the dance world uh, is exciting as well it's really exciting um so yeah 
You've, so you've got obviously Christopher Wilden's Cinderella that you are uh, revisiting, um, but dancing for, for the first time with the San Francisco Ballet. Are you excited to to go back to to this role? Is this something that you you enjoy doing? I do, and um, I was part of the creating process of this when I was at Dutch National Ballet. Uh, all of a sudden, a couple of dancers from San Francisco came over to Amsterdam uh, while he was making uh, a section of the ballet there. Uh, and I was playing Ben at the time, uh, the friend of the prince. And then I moved to to English National Ballet and I got to perform that at the, at the Royal Upper Hall on the round version. I find that such a unique experience and, and Chris was amazingly brilliant at adapting that production for the round and it was just a one-off experience as a dancer and I think as an audience member as well I think it was completely unexpected um, I got to work with Alina uh, on that production and and it was wonderful you know uh, I think Chris has been one of the choreographers that has been uh, present in my life the most um, because of his close relationship to San Francisco Ballet. When I started producing the shows in Mexico, uh, he was the one and only choreographer that would always say, yes, of course, go and perform my ballets. And yes, of course, have these uh, ballets perform as much as possible. And he's been very supportive in that sense. Um, so I have a very special place for him. I love uh, how he has evolved as well as a choreographer. Um, so even seeing how this production started and the things that he was making an emphasis on and then seeing what his priorities were in regards to the production and the storytelling at EMB, they have changed because he has changed a lot. He has gone on to film and Broadway and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and already now, after 10 years or so of having premiere, his intentions, his interests, and his priorities are in a different way of storytelling. And even though the choreography remains the same, he is more specific about some things. Um, and I love that. Uh, I love the the freedom also that he allows for the dancer. That sometimes his choreography is, is so well put in the music that you feel like that might be restraining from making choices artistically, but it's not. Is is really there's a lot of room there, and he's done it in a way that the choreography uh, tells and comes across exactly as it needs for you to then be able to tell the story personally. And I find that and that capacity as a choreographer brilliant. And uh, and so I am excited about it. I'm working with uh, Misa. Uh, whom I've danced with before in Mexico a couple of times, uh, but we've never done a full-length ballet. Uh, I just, uh, yesterday we had a rehearsal with Tamara, which was amazing as well, because, again, she brings so much uh, information and so much knowledge that uh, that it really feels like we are being very productive at the moment. Well, I, I saw um, Cinderella in the round and it was an exceptional mm -hmm. experience. And I know audiences are going to to love seeing Cinderella back in San Francisco. Um, so my final question for you um, is you, you talked about all these incredible um, you know, people, mentors and teachers um, who have had a, a, an incredible impact on 
your own career, um, giving you words of advice, some that you take, some that you don't um, over mm -hmm. the years. What advice would you give to other aspiring dancers? You, you work with young dancers um, all around and particularly back in Mexico, but are there some core values or some core advice that you would like to share? I guess it would be around personal responsibility because I find that I'm going to keep this in regards to ballet only, <laughs> but I feel like oftentimes we leave home quite early on to go into these boarding schools and we have uh, sort of a path laid down in front of us. And oftentimes it is easy to do the thing that is expected of you and just simply surrender yourself to this kind of train that keeps going and then you arrive at the end in your graduation and you either make it to the company or you go audition and then you go into these institutions that provide everything for you where you don't even have to do your own taxes basically <laughs> and, and you become this very isolated person that knows nothing about what happens around them has no interest in the outside world because we live in the ballet studio all our friends are related to the arts or to the ballet in particularly and everything we see here and talk about it's about one thing and 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 that is the easiest thing to do and i guess my advice to them would be to take personal responsibility for their development to obviously trust their teachers but and to listen to them but to have enough curiosity and knowledge to be able to know who you want to be or become as a as an artist and as a person and i find that in order to be or to be able to give yourself a chance of succeeding as an artist you first need to give yourself a chance at succeeding as a person and finding things that you feel passionate about and that you want to learn about. And it's important to, to really take responsibility of that and, and, and of your education and artistic education um, and not only rely on this way of doing things that it's always been done or if i do this i'm gonna get a job and then i go in the corps de ballet uh, and then i go to a soloist or not and i find that that is always there if you want it but i find that it is such a great privilege to be in a world that allows us such a security in a sense once we are there and so many opportunities to travel the world, to see different cultures, to meet different people. We are at the core of every social circle that you can possibly imagine. And most, without afraid to say, some of the most powerful social circles in the world, there is always one ballet dancer hanging around. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I would say that if you do take personal responsibility and take interest and take your education seriously and your play seriously within these circles that this world allows you to be in, then you can make positive change and you can make it about 
something other than yourself. And I find that that would be the advice I would give them uh, because I find it so very frustrating how often people relinquish their lives to these methods and routines and ways of doing things or steady kind of path that has been there and never question it, never never find any sense of curiosity uh, or or sense of responsibility to say, listen, I like this, but I'd rather do this, or I would like to have more information on this, or I would like to do this ballet differently because people are not paying attention to us or <laughs> things like that, you know, or to, to question things like how do we make this better for the audience of today or, uh, and to really find interest in what makes us being on a stage possible. I find that all of that falls down into this responsibility and it belongs to all of us that that we can continue performing and that we can continue being a part of this cultural life and uh and and oftentimes when we surrender ourselves into this way of automatic uh operating system then we miss out on things that can be done better and we miss out on a huge side of our development that that can really reshape the way we see our profession that is absolutely fantastic advice thank you so much Azak, for giving me so much of your time today particularly how busy you are and i just want to say for our lovely listeners who are lucky enough to be in san francisco you can Get your chance to see Isaac and um, in Christopher Wilden's Cinderella, which runs from the 31st of March to the 8th of April. He's on selected dates, so go on to the um, San Francisco Ballet's website, check out the dates, but there are tickets available for all the shows, so don't miss your chance. Thank you so much, Isaac. That was just wonderful. My pleasure. Thank you for uh, for talking to me and uh, giving me the chance to talk for hours. So <laughs> I love it. We love <laughs> it. Thank you. Yeah.